and family for Milkshake Monday. I'm excited for this teaching. It says, Our Father and His Little Children, episode 136. I'm going to try to calm down and not be too excited, but I got to read some scripture first so you can have context of where the Holy Spirit actually gave me this understanding that I really hadn't thought about. Now, I was listening, as I sometimes do, I'll start twirling through the news feed and I happened to hear one of my brothers talk about 1 John chapter 2 and he said the words little children. Some translations say dear children. But when I heard him say little children, I stopped. I've heard the scripture forever, but just hearing it, it kind of stuck with me for the entire week. Little children, that the Lord sees us no matter our title, our position in the church or the ministry, our age, he sees us as little children. And I said, I don't really see myself as a little child, but I got to understand that God, who's almighty, ancient of days, eternal, sees all of us, no matter where we are in our maturity in the Lord, he sees all of us as little children, because remember, little means small. And compared to his almightiness, his greatness, we are tiny little children. And we're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm excited because I want to go slowly because when I race through, you know, I have a tendency to talk fast, but I'm going to try to slow myself down because there are people that may hear this message tonight or stop for a moment and they can really understand God as a father, as a loving father, not this tyrant floating in the cloud trying to, to just crush them. I want all of us to recognize who God is. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this teaching. I never know how the teaching is going to be until I say, see you next week. I really don't. And I have to go back and hear what the Holy Spirit gives to me every time I finish. So get your Bible and I want you to go to the back of the Bible, 1 John chapter 2, because this is where he references the little children. He references the little children a lot of places, but I want to start with this one before we get to it. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So everybody listening, because some of the followers of Milkshake Monday are all around the entire globe and praise God for the message of God being spread throughout all the lands. Big words in there, propitiation. Basically, we sin, we deserve hell. Christ gave his life voluntarily so we wouldn't have to go to hell for those who believe and receive him as the son of the living God. Jump over, same chapter two, go to verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anybody, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. I'm telling you little bits because it'll make sense at the end. I want you to jump over in the same chapter to verse 
28. Verse 28, and I'm going to go straight through to chapter 3, and I'm going to stop at the first uh, three verses of chapter 3. So I'm going to keep continuity. So at verse 28 of 1 John chapter 2, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Can I say that again? Children of God. I, I've said that especially, but just hear this again. Children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Mm -hmm. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Well, I had only heard the words little children, and that stopped me because the Holy Spirit always gives me that moment to say, Anita, pay attention. I'm getting ready to teach you something for Milkshake Monday. I'm not a preacher. I'm a, I'm a wife of... Pastor Helm. So when I get these unctions, indications, hey, wake up signals, I realize what he's trying to do. Well, in contemplating being a child myself, I mean, being a kid, God sees me as a child and me having a child, I started reflecting on some things. I said, you know, let me try to understand this Holy Spirit because I got to put it in a way I can understand it in order to tell y'all something. So I started thinking about when I was getting ready to have my first child. And I said, okay, what are the things as a new mother? Now, it could be a daddy, but I'm telling you from my own perspective how it felt as a new mother. What are the things I was thinking about when I was contemplating getting ready to have a, a child that was going to be in my body? First things I was thinking of is certain things is that I was excited. And at the same time, I was a little bit nervous because I wanted to make sure I, I was having uh, safety and the delivery, made sure I ate right, I did right, because it wasn't just me, I had something inside of me growing, and I wanted to make sure the baby was all right. Also got excited because I wanted to make sure I was able, when the baby came out, did I have everything together, did I have what I needed, did I understand how to feed the baby in my nursing, uh, was I able to make sure the daily needs of what we see on TV, and I had never been a mother like a lot of people, just make sure I took care of the baby okay. Then I wanted to make sure once the baby started walking and the baby was safe, it was developing fine, he was eating, she was eating right and ready to learn the ABCs and the one, two, threes and make sure they could do okay in school, that kind of thing. You know how we all are. Then I wanted to make sure the baby had social skills, wasn't a brat. I'm, Albany and I had this conversation recently. Somebody that, a child that was reflective to understand everything is not about them. And they have to think about others and just not in that stage of my, my, mine and take and, and be a, you know, not listener and be kind of a hell on wheels kind of thing. So I was sensitive to that. As I was contemplating this list and priority of what I wanted for this child, I kind of said, oh, I want him to know God. And I said it as such an after effect 
Now think about this. I my kids are grown women. I mean, they're of age. But even now, as I'm contemplating the things that I was thinking about, I still put at way down on the list that these children, in this case, the first child of mine, would know God. It was not the priority of the number one thing. I was trying to remember, I'm sure being a person that went to church and sang and prayed that the baby inside me was getting that experience. But I didn't say, okay, I'm going to start talking to this child about Christ even in my womb. I, I probably thought about it as an after fact. Okay, a couple other things that I was thinking about. I wanted to make sure that when they got to be of an age to think about their career and what they wanted to do, that they stayed doing something that they were passionate about. Not just having a job for a job, like a lot of us do. We get trapped to do a job for a paycheck, to pay the bills, to take care of the family, but we don't find that we're doing something that we actually love. I love doing Milkshake Monday. I think that God and believe that God has made me uh, ability to teach, and I love to teach, I love to talk to people, and I love to have that mechanism to come week to week. That's something I love. I don't get paid for this, but this is so wonderful and fun for me. The last thing I thought about is I wanted to make sure as the baby grew that one day they would have their own family and they'd start their own family and they'd find somebody loving. And so I kind of thought from babyhood all the way to the time of their end. That's how we do. Well, before I transition to what God does, that's our perspective. But I want y'all to think of these verbs. Go, make, bathe, meaning clean the babies or clean the children and teach. We find ourselves going and following after these little babies. We got to go check on them in the crib. We got to go check on them when they're walking. We got to make sure they don't get anything. We got to go take them to school. We got to go take them to the practices. We got to go, we got to go, 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 go. As a parent, you are going, going, going all the time when it comes to your kids. We're also making, we make their food, we make their beds, we make uh, some decisions for them, we make things happen and make, make, make. So we go, 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 we make, make, make. We find ourselves in the time they come out that we're always having water around because we gotta wash their little butts, we gotta wash their face, they gotta wash when they have boo-boos, all this stuff, we're always cleaning our children. We're bathing and cleaning these kids. Grandkids too. We're always, I don't have grandkids, but I'm saying we're always doing this when it comes to our children. And we're teaching them. They're, they're looking at us and we're looking at them and we're seeing what they need to understand. So we teach them things. From the time they're little to the time, their name, teaching them I'm mama, teaching them what to eat, don't choke, don't touch the fire, don't, all that stuff we're teaching. So these four verbs, go make, clean, and teach. So that's our perspective in the natural as parents. Got that? Well, now let's transition to God the Father. As I taught last week, God has a different understanding, knowledge, presence. Just pause. He as our Father has such a different perspective of parenthood, fatherhood, Godhood, than us as parents. And when we see God, we see him through the lens of our experience, what we want to be as parents. And I'm going to talk to us at the end about something serious that's going to make this milkshake a little thicker. But I want us to see some things. I just read some of the perspective out of 1 John. But here's a couple of other scriptures that I want you to see when it comes to the word little children. Because 
If you're 60, 70, 90, or 20, or 15, the last thing you want or think about yourself is somebody calling you a little child because you have some life experiences, you have some age, you have some seasoning that you think you're not only not little physically, age-wise, you don't think you're little in experience. But you got to understand, a thousand years is like a day to God, and he is the ancient of days. So when he says things in the Bible, when he says things through the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us, when he shares things through Christ's teaching, he's sharing to us as this ancient of days father who has no beginning and no end of eternity. And as a parent, he's saying things to us and sharing things and preparing things for us as his little children who are not ever going to be big enough to think that they're big children when it comes to God. You will always and I will always be little children, dear children in his eyes. And as a dear parent, he's always about protecting and guiding us and being with us. We think we give good gifts, but it says how great a gift he's going to give to us. We think we give good gifts, but when it comes to his parenthood, it's off the charts. So let me give you a few scriptures. Matthew 18, 3, speaking about this little children. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. We don't want to sometimes take the posture or the behaviors or the state of mind or the being or the spirit of being a little child because of our pride. We think we know enough that we can handle this life if we don't come and get converted and become as little children. It says we by no means can enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to settle down to understand we aren't bigger than God. We're never going to be equal to God. We're never going to be on the throne of God. We are always going to be dear little children to him. People as beings that he's formed and fashioned as a parent, just like you all. We think before we any of us in the natural, go to that place where we're elderly and there's some dementia or Alzheimer's or Lord, you know, those are things that happen in sickness and disease. But in reality, we think when we're in this posture of health, our kids are, they're our kids. We taught them. They, they, we trained them. They are never going to be in the place they're going to tell us. But yet we think with God, we can tell him stuff. So here's another scripture, Matthew 19 and 14 and Luke 18 and 16 are basically the same, but they're in two different gospels. So I'm going to read them both and tell you something. But Jesus says, because the disciples had decided they were going to keep the little children away from. So this is Jesus's response. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Luke 18, 16 says, but Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God. I want to share with you too about our father and his little children that even us sometimes as disciples of Christ who mean well, who think we love Christ, we are preventing the little children coming to Christ. You say, how can you say that? Sister Helen, by our witness, lack thereof by our words and behaviors, our doubts, our unbeliefs, in the, in the place where 
We should be sharing with our children and those other strangers' children the glory, the hope of who Christ is. We are forbidding and having barriers to that very relationship that Christ wants all of us to have with him by saying to children who may be grown-ups, you don't need Christ, you need me. You need me. Where Christ is sitting there on the throne, you're trying to put yourself to be that person. Let me fix you. Let me give you the money you need. Let me take care of it. Let me tell you what to do. You don't need to go to Christ, little child. Let me be your savior. And Christ has said, don't forbid the little children to come to me. Not come to you. Not come to me or you, but to come to him. We don't want to prevent like those disciples were preventing the little children to come to Christ. Now, this other scripture. John 13, 13 says, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to you, the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. But I want y'all to remember about John 14. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. Just like any parent, when we find out you got a kid coming, you want to make sure you have a place a safe place, a place that they can grow strong and be that person that they're going to become. But Christ is working on each and every one of us as his little children to become the men and the women of God so that we can share and profess the word of God to others. Now, think about this. In your way that I listed what I thought as a natural mom to be. Think about what God did. I'm gonna, not going to read a ton more of scriptures, but I want you to think about this in your personal, private prayer time. That the Lord, our Father, has said in Matthew 6, you need to read that. He tells us in Matthew 6 about praying, that connection, that communication, as all of us has as moms and dads to our children. If we never spoke to that baby in the crib ever, how would they know that I'm your mama? That's your daddy. But that communication of communication with prayer, talking, understanding, God giving instruction, God giving love, sharing love. And that scripture, I say it all the time. Matthew 6, 8. For the Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. There are times as natural parents, we can understand what our children are going through and we can sense on where to be or how to be in order to provide things, those things that we think they're going to need. Or we have a knowledge because we lived in past experience to know what's going on with them. But in reality, God knows all of those things that we have need of. And they're not always physical things. Peace is not a physical thing you grab and touch. Love is not a physical thing you go and, and get a retail price for. There are things of mercy and kindness and love and long-suffering and things about our life that he knows. And he is, he, that's why it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. And it's not things of natural. He's trying to give us things for the supernatural, so that when we go to that prepared place that John 14 talks about, we have understanding. It's like he says, when he's revealed, we're not ashamed. See how things are working out, little children? He's teaching us stuff, but we got to go into his love letters of our Father through his Son and his Holy Spirit to see what Daddy, Abba, wants to teach us. This thing in Matthew 6, 
I love Matthew 6. I, I just eat it up because it's so nurturing and helps me grow. Now, Matthew chapter 6 also says little children for something that God knows that, you know how a, a kid worries? My husband has a story about, imagine if you told your kid you're going to make dinner. You're coming home at 7, you're going to make dinner. But the kid goes over to the neighbor's house and I'm hungry. Mama not home yet. And the neighbor says, okay, I'll feed you. And mama comes home ready to feed the child. I said, why didn't you wait? I told you I was going to feed you. Well, mama, you would say to your child, I told you I'm going to feed you. And that's the thing about God. God tells us things. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But yet when things get tough, Satan lies to us and says, oh, you're by yourself. And we believe the devil and the liar and the deceiver. There are things in the scripture that God teaches us. But we are like that kid, that little child. Says, I don't really believe my parents. They, yeah, they've been taking care of me all my life. They've been loving on me. They've been protecting me, providing for me. And also, but when it comes to these things that happen in our lives, we get doubtful. And God says, I love you. I'm your father. If you look at Matthew 6, it says, our father, our father in heaven, our father, our father. Do this for the father. You have to understand he loves us. But look at what he says in Matthew 6, the very last verse. Because this is about us as little children. Children that haven't grasped what the father has. We worry. And he keeps telling us, don't worry. And that's what the, Matthew 6, but we still every day. Even in the pandemic, as we get the vaccines or we don't get the vaccines, all of this stuff is going on, we still are worrying. But look what it says in the last verse of 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Little children, tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day. This day that God has given us to live is its own trouble. Now, I want to go to something else. I want to list out these things that I want you to see what God has already orchestrated. God has initiated for the love that he has for us as little children, an eternal salvation plan. We were headed to hell. And he said, I love these little children too much. I know that Adam has sinned. And because of that sin, we all should go to hell. But God has initiated an eternal salvation plan through sacrificing his son and letting his son volunteer to give his life. So he's initiated an eternal life plan. You can see Genesis 3, you can see John 1, you can see all kinds of things with salvation all through the Bible. 66 books from Genesis to Revelation. He was involved in the formation of all of our frames and bodies inside our mother's womb. Psalm 139. Just like we think we never have anything other than us having sex with somebody or going to uh, IVF clinic and surrogates and all that stuff. But God actually got into the formation of all of our parts and fashioned us. That's a father. That's a father that none of us can equal. Also, he talks about that this is a temporary home. This earth, there will be a new earth. There will be a new heaven. He says, God, the father also shares in John 14 about Jesus is going to prepare a place. But even in this temporary natural bodies that we have, that we have the earth, we have air to breathe, water. We have all these natural things that he's prepared. He even orchestrated us in the parents that we have, in the continent that we live in, the color of our skins. All of that was all known because he knows all of our books 
and what's written in those books and how he's fashioned everything about us. That's some father. He provided to us education, spiritual education about who he is, what he wants from us, what he requires of us in the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. That's something. I think we overlook these big things that our father has done. He's also made sure that we have our friends. It's not like I had that list about me as a mama. God has orchestrated that he's left us to have the greatest friend, the greatest example, the greatest uh, being of love and hope and the plan forward in his son and in the Holy Spirit as the comforter. What a friend we have in Jesus. We sing this song, but what a friend that they that Christ himself would lay down his life for us. He is family. We're knitted together. We're fashioned from his father's hands, but we're all knitted together. Christ himself did everything we see in this earth. It was Christ. What a father. Now, he tells us some things that we tell our kids. I didn't have in my list that we need to be prepared when it comes to this enemy that we face. Satan, the devil, the deceiver, that old trickster from Genesis 3. He tells us about it so we're not unaware. Just like we try to tell our children, be careful of the friends. Be careful of the people who influence you that won't make you won't allow you to make good decisions, will harm you, will take you down a path of your destruction. The Father shows the scriptures and he tells us about the devil. He tells us about his ways. He explains to us his ways are not new. But for us as little children, we can be deceived. We can be led astray. But Christ always says in his scriptures and the Holy Spirit tells us things. If we would just listen. And you know as children, they don't want to listen. They're like, uh-uh, mom, I don't want to hear you. No, 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 no. But we as his little children have to listen and understand and obey his word so that we can be to have that armor of God for when Satan comes at us with those fiery darts. And we can't be foolish children to think that there is no devil, to think that he is not our enemy. Many of us who say that we love the Lord Jesus Christ sometimes embrace the devil more than we embrace what God says. We will embrace going to do something that we know that God says, that is not good for you. But because the devil puts a fine suit, puts a nice pair of, of uh, shoes on, has a nice house, we get enticed after the, the sins that so easily ensnare us because the devil has been around a long time, but he's not been around longer than God, our father. And our father says, be careful of that enemy. He also shares with us things about the future. He's, we've lived in the, we've lived and the past is gone. You can't relieve the, you can try to relive the past, but that doesn't do anything good for your current state in the future. But God has been aware of all of those states in your life. Your past, your present, and your future. What father can say that? What mother can say that? But our father, when it comes to us as his little children, is trying to prepare us for the current and the future. Now, in John chapter 3, verse 7 through 10, it says, Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. This is like 
telling your kids at graduation. Come on now, pay attention, little children. All throughout this Bible, but here's a lesson. Verse 9 of 1 John 3, 7 through 10. No one is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. He's our father. We don't want to do things bad against the dad, our daddy. Your kids, they sometimes want to do things in rebellion to you. But if you love God, like we said, we love our father. We don't want to continue in the sin. Verse 10 says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now you have to read all of first John. I'm going to tell y'all two more things. I want to tell you where we are going off track and then I want to end on a positive note. Many, even people of God that are in the households of faith and worship and prayer are causing stumbling blocks for their children. Because many parents today, grandparents, people in influence of children, literal children, many believe and live and behave as though we are better parents than God. That we know our kids better than God. God wants them to be disciplined. No, I know my kid. I know how to handle discipline. I know how to do it better. God tells you what to do with your first fruit, your income. Oh, you don't need to do that. You need to save. You need to put it on 401k. You don't need to give to God. You don't, that, I, I'll take care of you, baby. You and I are not eternal Father God, Almighty God. We try to rewrite the Lord's rules for raising the children up. God says, train up a child in the way we should go. But we say, no, 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 God. We don't want to train them. We want to rain all the gifts and the love and the attention. And, oh, you need to do the American dream. We want to do the way we want to do because we want to raise them up in the way we were raised, which some of it is wrong. We don't want to tell them about Christ. We want them to make their own decisions, which is wrong. We are like those disciples causing the children to be forbid from coming to Jesus. We also spend our monies, our first fruits, which is hindering a lot of times our children and their access to God. Because if mama and daddy don't find a priority of giving to the household of faith for the things of God. Now, y'all can get it twisted and make every example about every televangelist, every bad thing that every preacher that you've ever heard of in your life, but God doesn't say that he's going to hold to account you for what the preacher did. He says he's going to look for what you do with your first fruits. When you get your stimulus check, when you get your paycheck, when you get your social security check, when you get your whatever, 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 is God even in the list of what priority to give thanks to him? But what are you sharing with your children? And I think that we have to understand that when God says in Matthew 6 that you will love God or, or mammon, we as parents have to show that we love God more than mammon. We have to show them this. Now, I said a minute ago about selfishness or self, things that we do as we thought we did the best we could for our kids. 
But somehow these kids are becoming more selfish, self-oriented because something they have received from us because you don't see selfishness in Christ Jesus. You don't see the father being selfish. He says, deny yourself. But what we're imparting in these little children that we call ours, but we have to remember they are not ours. They are God's gifts. And we have to be knowledgeable that with our father and his little children, that these children are the gifts from God. And they're supposed to be cared for as God cares for us. Now go to Psalms 103. Last week we talked about if only you knew what God knows. But in reality, we have to recognize when Psalms 103 speaks to things we were speaking about, this is us hearing from the Father when I read these last scriptures before we end. Think of it as the Father and you as the child, little child. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I'm here to talk about our Abba Father here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, his fatherly benefits, his loving fatherly benefits to all of us as his little children. Can I take the privilege in saying daddy for each beginning of the verse, Abba? Daddy, you who forgives all our iniquities, Daddy, who heals all of our diseases. There are diseases that are not done by antibiotics, y'all. Y'all know there's diseases of having doubts and unbeliefs and all kinds of issues of anxieties. There's a lot of diseases that don't always get cured by antibiotics. Daddy, who redeems your life from destruction, our lives from destruction. Daddy, who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Daddy, who satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. It says that the Lord, our daddy, executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Our daddy, who made known his ways to Moses. Our daddy, his acts to the children of Israel. I wrote in their Judges chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 because I wanted y'all to see the pattern of how the nation of Israel, who were called the children of Israel, how they found themselves in rebellion, how they found themselves crying out as a child, and then how the Lord had to hear that cry of a child like we do. But there was still a judgment. Many of us want to love our children but don't want to provide any discipline. And that's not what God says. It says here in verse 8, Our daddy, the Lord, is merciful and gracious. Our daddy is slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Our daddy, he will not always strive with us, his little children. Y'all understand that? Our daddy, will, nor will he keep his anger forever. Our daddy, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Y'all know as parents, if you got your kid for every last thing you saw, Lord, we'd be spanking their bottoms, put them in timeout, having problems with it all the time. But that mercy, that kindness, that understanding. How is it we don't recognize that for our daddy? It says here in verse 10, our daddy, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, 
nor punished us according to our iniquities. Our daddy, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Our daddy, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Look at verse 13. I won't put the our daddy, but look what he talks about. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. As children, we need to heed the voice of our father. Just like our children. Can you imagine our children disobeying everything we said? Everything we say to them, they can't follow our instructions. How do you think our father feels about us as his little children? His word says here, heed his voice. Heed his word. It says heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasures. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. My last scripture, looking at that word about bless the Lord, all you his host, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Every last one of us is supposed to bear fruit, as John 15 talks about. You can't say because you're not a minister, you're not an evangelist, you're not a teacher, that you're not expected to bear fruit. All of us are asked to bear fruit. And we're going to Matthew 28 to end this. Matthew 28. Remember how I told you about as parents, we are always doing the go, making, and the cleaning, and the teaching? Well, you see that very same thing in his commandment as he ro rose from... His resurrection. He tells us that he's rose with all authority and all power, but then he tells us to go. He tells us to make disciples. He tells us to baptize, which is water and is a cleansing that not for cleansing dirt. He's cleansing the soul through the Jesus who's given his life. And he says to teach those same things that we say that we've done so well with these kids of ours. The Lord has empowered us through the Holy Spirit to do, to make disciples, to tell the nations, to tell the world about who his son is. And look what it says. We'll start at verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Our father and his little children. Did you hear him? Did you hear him? Daddy wants us to go and be about his business. 
the father's business. And what a great father we have. What an almighty father we have. I'm excited because I want to do the work of the Lord. And I want you as my brothers and my sisters to take it seriously because there's a work to do. The harvest is ripe and the laborers are few, but God has blessed you to listen to his word as our father and we as his little children. We can start doing the work of the harvest through the Holy Spirit. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.